Welcome to the HBK High Performance Podcast with Michael B. Ross, a podcast designed to help leaders develop the character, skills, and passion needed to lead fulfilled and impactful lives. Today, Michael begins a Zoom interview with Jeremy Hartzell, principal in charge at HBK Pittsburgh. Here's Michael. Well, good day to you, ladies and gentlemen. This is Michael B. Ross, and I would like to welcome you to the HBK High Performance Podcast. I hope the sun is shining, the birds are chirping in your life. I hope all your dreams are coming true. Before we get started today, as I always like to mention, if you hear one good thought, one good phrase, one good quote, or one good idea from this podcast, I would like to ask you to put that thought, phrase, idea, or quote into absolute immediate action. It is the application of our education that makes the biggest difference in our world, and I don't want you or anyone else to be a person that lives with regret. I heard this said one time by a mentor of mine named Jim Rohn. He said that discipline weighs ounces, regret weighs a ton. I know that's been true in my life. The things that I've disciplined myself in, the things I've taken action on, I don't look back with regret. Even if it wasn't a wild success, I don't look back and think if I would have, I should have, I could have. I look back and say, I did it. I took action when it mattered. I also have times that I look back with regret, things that I could have taken action on that I didn't, and that is a regret that weighs a ton. Make sure you take action. You're going to get a lot of good ideas today from this podcast. And with that said, today I'm interviewing a very good friend of mine. He is a partner in charge at HBK in the Pittsburgh office. He runs a very, very great ship there. He is a man that focuses on culture, and he is a uh, great person all around. He is a father, he's a husband, and a great leader. I'd like to welcome my friend, Jeremy Hartzell. Jeremy, I am so grateful for you joining us today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mike. Look forward to it. Awesome. Jeremy, in all this time, you know, you've been partner in charge at HBK and the Pittsburgh offices. Tell us how it happened, you know, why it happened and some of the unconventional methods of how it happened. Cause I think the story is so cool. And it's also a testament that you just have to keep pushing forward and putting yourselves in the right positions to succeed. So Jeremy, how did you become partner in charge at HBK Pittsburgh? So it's actually a pretty interesting story. Um, and it's, it really started when I started my career. I started my career at a big four accounting firm and spent 13 years there really learning the nuts and bolts and e- even then realizing that someday, you know, I wanted to run an accounting practice. And uh, an HR director there at one point who I was good friends with actually said to me, she's like, I'm going to write this down on a little piece of paper and put it in my desk here because I don't think it's going to be here, but someday, somewhere, you're going to be an amazing leader of an accounting firm. So I got to the point where I needed to make some decisions there and decided to leave and look for some new opportunities and eventually wound up at HBK where I knew I could actually make a difference as a partner and an owner in the company and have um, day-to-day influence on my people and my team and my clients. So I came here actually to be the successor to one of our high-level partners, um, Ed Gauntz, who has a $2 million practice in the high net worth area. Uh, you know, I, I joined HBK to be his successor. And about two years into the process, I was at the point where I was going to be up for partner. And it was a, 
late June day and we got this email from our COO saying it was time for goals to be done. And I hadn't had any discussions yet. So I didn't know if I should be doing goals as a senior manager or a partner and hadn't, nobody had talked to me. So I decided to go down and, and visit our current partner in charge and say, Hey, what's going on? You know, what goals, principal, senior manager, where are we? And uh, he said, close the door and have a seat. And uh, I sat down and about two minutes into the conversation, he goes, so what if we just offered you my job? And, and I got to say, it's probably the first time in my professional life where I actually had nothing to say. Um, I truly, truly was not expecting this conversation at all. And I just said, I, I was silent. And then I think I said, your job as in partner in charge? And he's like, yeah, you know, what, what if we just made you in charge of the office? And um, uh, so I was a non-equity partner, going to become a non-equity partner. That became clear. And at the same time, they, you know, he was offering to make me the partner in charge of the office. And um, that had never been done at HBK. So there had never been a non-equity owner that was also going to be in charge of an office. So we spent probably the next two and a half months in this whole um, on again, off again, you know, what's going on and, and the current partners of the Pittsburgh office having discussions and debate as to what this would mean. Are they behind it? And, you know, I made a road trip one day up to Meadville, Pennsylvania, where Chris Allegretti, our CEO, sits. And I spent a few hours with Chris and talked to him because the, the pick role is um, appointed by the CEO. So I wanted to understand from Chris, what does this mean? And, you know, I, I'm like, I'm not an owner yet, but I'm going to be in charge of the office. So I'm going to have people who are older than me that have been working here longer than me that own part of the firm reporting to me. So how's that going to work? You know, if, if I got to have all the tools that somebody else would have in this role for me to be successful, yet I'm really not in a position to have all those tools. So... Chris and I had a good conversation. He said, look, if you're in charge of the office, you know, you're going to have all the same abilities as anybody else that's in charge of the office. And uh, the team is behind you and your partners believe that you're the right guy for this job and um, we'll make it happen. So, you know, I, I thought about it and I went, came home and I had a conversation with my wife and I said, look, you know, this is a completely different role and it's going to mean more, more time and, and more, more being in the office. And, you know, if the alarm goes off at three in the morning, I might have to go to the office at three in the morning or, if our software isn't working at midnight, I'm going to have to be online at midnight trying to figure out what's going on and how to help my team out. Uh, but, you know, we knew it was kind of a role that I had always looked forward to having. And, uh, you know, uh, after having individual meetings with all the partners in Pittsburgh to make sure that indeed they were on board with this and our one other young partner meeting with him and just saying, hey, I don't want to leapfrog you. Do you want this role? And he said, no, I do not want the role. You take it, please. <laughs> so um, had the meetings with all of them. They were all behind me. Um, called Chris again and said, as long as you're confirming, you know, that, when I, when I need something and if, if I have an issue, I'm going to call you and say, look, you made this promise to me. I, I, need, your, I need you to have my back because this isn't, isn't here. Um, I'm in. And he said, yeah, absolutely. We think you're the right guy for the job. Um, one of the things that they were thinking about in the role um, that I learned afterwards is that I am at that age where I was able to bridge the gap, if you will, between our older partners who have been here a really long time yeah. and our younger partners who are younger than I am, as well as our senior uh, managers and managers who you know, generationally, you got two different generations there. And I'm one of the few people in our firm at, at that middle, middle group that's somewhere between the older and the younger group. So I was able to sort of eight, bridge that gap. And it was also part of a planned transition where uh, Jeffy Newsy, who was our partner in charge, was going to be at the firm for a few more years. So he was available to help me uh, figure out what I was doing and maneuver my way through firm politics. And um, yeah, so it was, it was a great summer. It was very interesting. A lot, of, uh, a lot of closed door meetings. No one in our office knew what was going on. So they all just kept saying, why is this door always closed? Like this is the go-to guy that we've always went to for you know, our questions and our problems and, you know, culture issues and things like that. And, and now we can't get to see him. He's always in, in meetings and, and no one really knew what was going on. And, um, you know, finally in September we got it announced and uh, 
four years later, I think it is now, and things have been going good. So it's been a, been a great ride, and, and Chris kept his promises, and I, I only had to call him once. The, the partner group tried, tried one time to do something, and they said, you're not an owner, you can't be a part of it. And I said, want, want a bat? Yeah. And we had a conversation and they were like, eh. I said, you all can decide to let me back into this meeting and this discussion, or I will call Chris and I will be back inside this meeting and this discussion. And, I, you know, it's, it's, it's going to happen. So I, I kind of called the ace card out and it was the only time I ever had to use it. And they quickly agreed that, yeah, we probably should have yeah. never tried to do this without you anyways. And, um, you know, I, I'm fortunate to work with a great partner group in Pittsburgh and across the entire firm and have a lot of other people, you know, at my level that I can communicate with and share thoughts and ideas and really strategize to um, take HBK to the next level. I think that story, Jeremy, is remarkable because I think it goes in line with the idea of preparation, always being prepared to take on a leadership role when called. You went from being a senior manager to partner and partner in charge all in the same day. And that is, it's a remarkable story, but it's also a testament that you have been prepared and you put yourself in the right position to succeed over and over and over again. Now, I know you, and I know you're a student of leadership, and you practice what you learn. So I, I want to ask you to put on your expert leadership hat on for a second, and tell us what you believe makes, like, what's the qualities or characteristics of a great leader? I'd love to hear your thoughts on that question. Sure. So, I mean, the first and most important thing is understanding the group of people that you've been tasked to lead and creating a bond with them and a, and a, um, you know, an atmosphere where they want to follow you and that they're going to have your back no matter what, because they know that in turn you have their back. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's empathy is, is extremely important. You've got to understand, you know, understand the goals and objectives of your organization, understand the team that you have supporting you and don't ever ask somebody else to do something you wouldn't do. I think that's a key is never feel like you're above the rest of your team because you're not. My job is to make sure our team functions right at all levels and that everything gets done. So if that means I take out the garbage one day, then I take out the garbage. Like if it means I wipe up a spill or clean the, front, the glass on the front door because our receptionist is busy doing other things, it's more important at that point, then that's what I do. You know, we all function as a team and sometimes we do things that are above our level and sometimes we do things that are below our level, but the title, frankly, doesn't matter. You know, when I interviewed here, they asked me what title I needed. I'm like, honestly, it doesn't matter. Here's what I want to do. And I need to be able to do these things, but you can give me any title you want. Um, yeah. So you have to really understand your team, know what motivates them, you know, what, what makes them tick, what makes them excited, what gets them out of bed in the morning, challenge them with new things every day, yeah. make sure they're constantly learning and, and that they're there. Make sure they understand that you are there to support them and that they have access to you anytime. So I always, you know, whenever I, I meet with all the new hires in Pittsburgh, and one of the things I always tell them is I said, I would love to be able to tell you I have an open door. And unfortunately, my door is not always literally open, but I will tell you that I'm always available to you. And what that means is set up a meeting with me, call me, text me, email me. And my team will tell you that if they email me at, you know, 11 o'clock at night, they're going to get a response from me if it's something that's urgent. And they know that they can reach me um, whether or not I'm in the office. If it's something that matters to them, I'm going to be responsive to them. And I think that that's really appreciated by them because, you know, I can't be there all the time. I've got other responsibilities. Like I said, I'm a father and a, and a dad and a husband. And, you know, I've got three young kids that I want to be at their events and I don't miss uh, their sporting events. But on the other hand, my team knows that if I'm on the softball field and they got a problem, they're going to call me and I'm going to resolve it remotely. And they're perfectly fine with that because in the same breath, I encourage all of them to go and attend their kids events and make sure they're not missing family items for their team, their people. 
and we build ourselves a, a culture that says family is going to be as important as work and we're going to balance the two in the right way and make sure that our goals and objectives are matching and what we're doing at work is helping us be successful at home and what we're doing at home is helping us be successful at work. That is such a great lesson. That's a tough one, Jeremy. You know, it, that hasn't been real balance. Everyone likes to talk about work-life balance, but I like what you said is, you know, you, you got to keep on top of it. You got to keep talking about it. And there are times where, goodness gracious, you, you got to give 80, 90 hours a week to work. It's just part of, but then at the same time, you, you got to balance it out with your family, you know, find a way to give that quality time in those moments when you can. That's a really tough challenge. And there is no per perfect algorithm, you know, to that. No. But one, one of the things I've learned is it's about communication. Um, and it's about communication in both places. So, yeah. you know, it's very important, as I told you in the first part of this, that when I was taking on this new role, my wife and I sat down and had a, a discussion about, you know, what does this role mean? What does it mean to me professionally? And what does it mean to our family financially? And what does it mean in terms of a time commitment? And, mm -hmm. you know, one of the things that's very important to our family is being involved with charitable events and being a part of the community. And, you know, mm -hmm. I said to my wife, I'm like, this will give us yet another platform to really move forward in some of the things that we like to do in the community because uh, we both grew up in lower middle class families and we believe it's extremely important as successful people that we are today to give back to the community. And, you know, we're able to do that at a different level in this role um, with the support of the firm and the people around us. And again, encouraging all the people who work in our office to do that. Um, so when people, when young people meet with me and say, you know, I'm struggling with this work-life balancing, I, you know, really what I talk to them about is, have you talked to your spouse? Have you talked to your kids? Do they understand why you do what you do? You know, my kids, so I was in Disney last year and um, I was getting into an Uber and all of a sudden a guy tapped me on my shoulder and I was like, Jeremy. And my kids were just like, what? And then how, how is it you know somebody everywhere we go? <laughs> so we stopped and I had probably a 10 minute conversation with this guy and we got in the car and, and, and my kids were like, how do you know somebody? And I said, my job is relationships. So what you got to understand is every time we get stopped somewhere and I spend five or 10 minutes talking to that guy, that's how we pay to go to Disney. And they've now caught on to the fact that, you know, when dad takes a phone call or stops to talk at the per talk with the person at Target or Kohl's, oh, now we get it. This is, this is what dad does so we can do the things we as a family want to do. And, you know, we make it, you know, my, my kids come in and out of our office. Everybody at the office knows who my kids are. They, they run in and out of the office. My, our spouses, do we encourage kids and parents to come to the office? Um, we take time. We make sure at college um, midterms and finals, we send gift cards to our students that are out somewhere studying and say, hey, have a study break on us. Because one of the lessons I learned is if you can make the family feel connected to where mom or dad works and make them think that, wow, that's a really good place to work, it'll be much harder for mom or dad to ever leave that place. Because right. if your kids love where you work, you don't want to go home one day and tell your kids you're not working there anymore. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's such a great outside the box concept. And you know, when you look at productivity, if you can turn on passion for people, they're on average 28% more productive per day. And that's a study according to Deloitte. And here's the thing, you know, it's why do we leave our houses? You know, if you think about it from an existential standpoint, it's we leave our house to provide resources for our family to thrive, survive, you know, and, that, and that's to keep that in mind and to keep the balance between family and work is excellent. And I love how you've provided that. Um, that's something that is really important to me. I know it's important to you. And I think every business owner, business leader needs to hear this and try to find that balance if they haven't currently.
When I was a young professional, I had, you know, I had a, a personal moment in my life uh, right as I was getting ready to come to my, start my profession, literally um, the summer before I was going to start full time, uh, about three weeks before the bar exam, my mom passed away. Mm-hmm. And a partner from the accounting firm I was working at called me and it, it was a person who, frankly, I always thought of as just, you know, wow, she's, a, she's extremely professional, but She's, she's a bulldog, you know, just she, she's all about work. This is what it is. Um, you got to go, go, go. And she called and she's like, Jeremy, I just wanted to call and let you know the partner group met. And back then, if you didn't pass the bar exam on the first try, you were out. That was kind of how it worked in, in, back in the day. So she called and she just said, I want you to know that we don't care if you take the exam. We don't care if you pass the exam. We, you know, we understand what's going on in your life and we want you to understand that's what's most important. Right now. Wow. So I learned that lesson early on. And I remember thinking back to that often as I'm dealing with people and remembering the impact that that had on my life and on my mm. thoughts as a professional at that point to say, wow, they actually care about me as a person and not just me as an employee. And, um, you know, I've taken that lesson. I, I use that every day in what I'm doing to make sure, you know, obviously we've got a business to run and, and we got to make sure it operates and we got to make money and we got to do all those things so that we can keep people employed and, and keep them making good money and, and do all those things that we want to do. But the way we do that is to build a team that, you know, works well synergistically together and it has the same set of values. And when we do that, then we all operate because when one of us is down, everybody else wants to lift that yeah. person up. Yeah. We care about each other as people and we're there. And, and as soon as we know somebody's got a problem, everybody steps in, they happily support it and they get the job done so that that person can deal with what they need to deal with at that point in time, knowing that my time will come sometime down the road. That's such a sustainable model. I love that. And, you know, again, creating people spend a third of their waking hours in their profession and to provide an environment where they're going to feel safe and they feel like their personal life matters, they're going to be much better and have more energy for their professional life. And, and that is what you said. People will want to contribute to causes bigger than themselves. So that, that's so great. We'll stop right there for now. Join us next week as Michael continues his interview with Jeremy Hartzell, Principal in Charge at HBK Pittsburgh. Be sure to take immediate action on the ideas that compelled you from today's podcast. For information about the courses, resources, and services available from HBK High Performance, visit hbkln.com.